Come on. Log Talk Radio. Yo. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yay! Yes, it is. There we are. Another exciting week on All About Wine. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, February. Yeah, you're right. February February. still is. February (laughs) twenty-second, and uh, we're live on Facebook, Blog Talk Radio, and uh, welcome to the show. And uh, Mike and I were just talking. We have to talk about this for a little bit because it's the only place in the country right now that's this warm, but up to 85 degrees today here. And so AC time and we can take off our parkas and all that finally. But speaking of parkas, we were just talking about how cold it is from where our guest is. And oh my gosh, you know, it's 17 degrees there now. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, burr, burr. Well, uh, speaking of guests, uh, she's been patiently waiting. She called in. Natalie McLean, she, well, let me read you all this about her. Let me tell you, this this woman is really got quite a resume here. I was quite impressed when I first saw it. Uh, she is the New York Times selected uh her podcast and she has a podcast unreserved wine talk podcast and new york times selected as one of the seven best drinks podcasts in 2020 oh yeah that's that's great apple featured it as one of the best listens of 2019 this podcast is available on apple podcasts formerly itunes Spotify, Pandora, Sirius XM, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, and other podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Almost like All About Wine, we're available on quite a bit of stuff, too. We just don't know it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know we're on some of those. They just take and put them on those, but we we don't know. And her guests have included writers for the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, Bloomberg News, Forbes, Globe and Mail, San Francisco Chronicle, and other publications, uh, including Karen McNeil, Tyler Mazio, Esther Mobley, Bianca Bosker, Elon, I believe, Elon McCoy, Madeline Puckett, Pete Hellman, Marnie Old, Mark Oldman, and others, actually, you might not have 
listeners recognize a lot of those names, but those are people in the wine business. These are writers and, and people in the wine business. I recognize all of them. I've you know quoted them to you and some of the things I've talked about over the years and stuff like that. So these these are quite a, quite a lot of the who's who of wine writing and wine blogs and stuff. And so they've all been guests. Natalie herself uh, has largest wine review site based in Canada with over 3.2 million visitors a year and a wine newsletter with 270,000 subscribers. Largest wow. network of writers and bloggers in Canada. The only national mobile apps with real-time store stock inventory, barcode reader, and optical front label scanner. Now, Natalie, that's a question we need to find out if that's available throughout North America or just in Canada. And about Natalie herself, Natalie McLean's first book, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and her second book, Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines, were both selected as one of Amazon's best books of the year. She is the wine expert on CTVs, that's Canadian TV, The Social, Canada's largest daytime television show, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. She was named the world's best drinks writer at the World Food Media Awards and has won four, not one, not two, not three, but four James Beard Foundation Journalism Awards. She is the only person to have won both the MFK Fisher Distinguished Writing Award and uh, are from the James Beard Foundation and the MFK Fisher Award for Excellence in Culinary Writing from Aladam, oh, I'm going to destroy this name, Diaschofer International. Natalie also studied the Romantic Poets at Oxford University with Jonathan uh, Woodsworth. She graduated with honors from the Masters of Business Administration at the University of Western Ontario. Before joining the wine world, she worked at Procter & Gamble in brand management and then at the supercomputer company SGI, in Mountain View, California, now the headquarters of Google. And with all those great accolades and everything, she is humble enough to come on All About Wine and talk with us. Welcome to the show, hey. Natalie. Hey, Ron. It's great to be here with you. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you took out the time tonight to visit with us. I uh, was really oh, looking forward pleasure. to it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. I love the, the – I've been listening to your show, too, and I just love the, the talk radio nuance to it. I, I think you do a great job. Well, thank you very much. We enjoy it. Mike and I have been doing this for uh, over 10 years now, and it's something we hmm. really, really enjoy doing. Look forward to every week, although we do have our glitches like anything with electronics, but we it's something we do enjoy. So thank you. Thank you for listening to it. Um, Absolutely. So you uh, – uh, quite a resume there. You've been busy since what? You were about three years old doing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I started drinking early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 
<laughs> I actually came to wine quite late in life. Well, relatively speaking, I came from a good Scottish family on the east oh. coast of Nova Scotia, and it was beer and whiskey on the table, not wine. And so it wasn't yeah. actually until my late 20s that I got into wine. But boy, did I make up for time with the drinking, I mean. <laughs> yes, I know. You know, it's funny because we've talked to you know some of our guests over the last uh, three or four months, and a lot of them seem to be getting into wine later in life. I don't know what it is, but... Uh, I started back when I was in my mid twenties, early twenties, but you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the people are starting later and, and it seems to be something that once you start later in life, it just grabs you and you just you mm-hmm. say, wow, how did I miss this this long? So. Absolutely. Um, it really woke me up to just how much wine is connected to everything. I mean, you and I and a lot of us here are biased towards that, but I just think, you know, it connects to art and literature and commerce and agriculture. I mean, it's just everything. You can make wine the center of your universe. <laughs> and they, they do. I mean, I, I, a guilty pleasure. I'm Right now I am going through the entire library of uh, – the uh, Game of Thrones, and mm. if there is one underlying theme, it's wine. I mean, it's just yeah. that's all they're doing is drinking wine and the whole thing. So, you know, Absolutely. it's uh, it, you know that's just another aspect of it. It's just used in TV shows and stuff like that a lot too. It's uh, it's acceptable, and I think that's one of the reasons why they do it on TV shows more than anything, except for Mad they Men, do. of course, they have cocktails. Well, that but, was yeah. the whiskey days, I guess, the hard drinking days. But I, I watch a lot of shows like The Good Wife and others. I mean, mm-hmm. wine is just uh, a necessary prop, it seems, for every oh. nighttime scene going. <laughs> it, it seems to be, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's it's so accessible. Uh, I was, what did I tell you I wanted to ask you about when we were going through stuff here? I said, oh, yeah, remember. the mobile app. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, mobile yeah. app? Yeah. Is yes, is that national uh just in Canada or is that North America or can yeah, I you can load download it, it wherever it? you are? Yeah, you, you, the mobile apps uh for Android and um iPhone, iPad are available wherever you live around the world. And okay, good, um you good. can access my scores and tasting notes and you know, you can keep a virtual seller in there and the unique thing about it is that um, it has a front label reader, but it also will read back barcodes. They're two different scanners, two different technologies that work together. So it's a better chance of finding the wine that you're looking for. Fantastic. Oh, that's that's hmm. one of those apps that is almost a necessity to have on your phone. Hear that, people? Get that loaded onto your phone. That is a, <laughs> uh, a great way to go out and do stuff. Uh, and can you... With the app, can you make notes with it? Or, uh, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, you can uh, keep like a virtual seller, so you can make notes. And you can just like scan the label or scan the barcode and add it like with a click to your virtual seller. So you're not typing in the whole wine name and all of that. And then if I've reviewed it, um, my tasting notes will be part of your seller entry so that you know you have more information and food pairings. It sort of all works together. And if you find one you like, then you can do it that way and and mm-hmm. refer back to it. Fantastic. There you go. If you exactly. if everyone out there listening to this does not download that, then you know, I you know, you're missing definitely missing out on something on that. Uh what is it then, called? Uh what is it called in a, the uh, app store? It's under my name. So if uh folks search on Natalie McLean 
and it's N-A-T-A-L-I-E, and MacLean. I'm a Mac, not a Mick. M-A-C-L-E-A-N. Yeah. So if you search on that, that's my website too. So you can find it that way through my website, or you can just search on the app stores. Or NatalieMcLean.com <laughs> slash mobile app. And yep, that's right. That'll that'll do exactly. it right there for you too. And so, yeah, that's uh, you know that it really does cover all the bases on that too. And then uh, uh, your blog or your website has reviews too uh, mm-hmm. of wines. Now, those are just wine reviews that is listed on there. Yes. So, I mean, I've been writing about wine and tasting and reviewing for almost twenty years now. So, wow, there are a lot of reviews, and uh, I invite. Yeah. Um, uh, others to post their reviews of wines as well, and oh. then I have a team of bloggers who contribute. So there are a lot of um, professional and consumer reviews on it, so that you get multiple opinions. Wow! Not and over wine. a period of, over a period of years, that's probably quite a library there of, of different information. Yeah. Well, Fantastic. right now there's more than three hundred thousand reviews, wine reviews. Wow! Yeah. Wow. So. Lots. Yeah, it's more more than just an easy weekend reading. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, I'm, there, there's just so much. I, I have so many questions here, and I, I have to, you know, share with people out there. Natalie knew I didn't get a chance to read her books, and so she sent me a list of questions on there, which is really great. I will be using some of those, by the way, if I don't cover it otherwise. But there's a lot of other stuff I want to talk about here. And that is, uh, you know, the uh, New York Times has named you uh, one of the seven best drinks podcast of 2020 does that include wine or spirits and beer or is mm-hmm. is that um, a yeah, they do, right they do a regular feature on the seven best podcasts in a variety of categories whether it's movies or books or whatever so for drinks um they uh, had three wine podcasts and then the other four were like um, cocktails spirits beer mixed drinks that sort of thing and it surprised the heck out of me. I just, uh, it was like one day I woke up, there was a Google alert in my e- inbox because, of course, I set up alerts. And it was <laughs> from them, it was like, holy smokes, I didn't even know they were looking at it or whatever. It was just, it was um, made my year, actually, not my day. Yeah, my well, year. you know, <laughs> I have to brag a little bit here, too. All About Wine was named uh, one of the top six in Wine Spectator magazine in 2020. Oh, you know, wine podcast to listen to. So, congratulations! That's uh, uh, really you. prestigious. Absolutely, yeah, I, well deserved. And, well, thank you. We we were as shocked as you just said you were. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like, oh my gosh, you know. And then there was another list that was composed of the twenty-five best ones to listen to. It wasn't by Wine Spectator, but I, I I don't know who it was that put it together, but we were uh, number twelve on that list. So. Wow. You know, it's wow, it's always Yeah, it's always nice to be recognized. I mean, you know, and I'm sure you you agree with that. It's always nice to know that people out there reading you and you know, you're getting recognized by it. 
Exactly, because I think if we do podcasts, I mean, I know with Unreserved Wine Talk, my desire is gistical. And so while these, you know, the lists and the recognition is nice, what gets me so excited is that I think, oh, God, I get to connect with more people because they'll find out about it now. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, the, the discovery is kind of um, challenging, you know, unless you get recommended by a friend, you know, your podcast or in one of these lists. Uh, but I, I just get excited from that perspective. Uh, yeah, exactly, and as do I. I think that being being on those lists to get people to say, "Oh, look, maybe you know," and then I've been contacted by some people. I'm I'm sure because of those lists, which uh, mm-hmm. is a good thing. Speaking of being contacted with people, how do you get your guests? I I'm always you know I uh, for a while I was calling wineries and stuff and, and getting. Mm-hmm. Wine uses guests, and that's always a, a fallback. I'm, you know, I can always get a hold of wine use because wine use love to talk about their wines and what they do and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, but uh, you, you've talked to a lot of people here that, uh, well, like I said before the show, in, in the business, writers and uh, mm-hmm. bloggers and all that. How do you get your guests? Yeah. Call them up, say, "Hey, I'm having a show. You're going to be on with me." Or, <laughs> yeah, mostly it's cold calling or cold emailing. But first and foremost, Ron, I'm looking for great storytellers, which is mm. why I've invited you to be on the Unreserved Wine Talk <laughs> podcast as well as you know. Um, well, thank you. Yes, but that's yes. what I'm looking for because that's what people want. I, you know, I agree with you. Winemakers love to talk about their wine, but unless they can tell a great story and we can learn from it, I don't care about how tight the weave of the oak is or, you know, when you pick between the raindrops. I want I want to be taken someplace in my mind. I want you to paint me a picture and tell me a story. And that's why I often have a lot of writers, you know, who've just published books or have a great column or who have a great show like you do, because you're great storytellers. And I think that's the heart of that. That's how we learn. Yeah, and that's I really fully understand and agree with that too because I've, whenever I talk to wineries, I always ask them about how they start and stuff like that, and they love to tell the beginnings, the mm. how how it all came about to where they are now, and that's that's really one of my favorite parts of it. I do ask them about you know other things, the vineyard and the oak and all that, but that that humble beginnings is always a fun yeah. part. Any of those of those stories, it's uh, and because people can identify that we all came from somewhere, we all had humble beginnings and had to start from scratch. And and there are a lot of people, as you know, Ron, who probably imagine or dream of a career in wine, whether oh. it's making wine or writing about it or whatever. And and so it's sort of this sort of aspirational thing that because a lot of people have a passion or it's a hobby, wine is a hobby, and they think. What if I got paid to do this full time? How cool <laughs> yeah. would that be? So I'm sure they love the origin stories. Yes, yeah, and and the you know, origin stories are always always interesting too. Before I forget, um, you sent me a uh, an email that said that you would like to offer all the listeners your ultimate guide to food and wine pairing. And yes. before I forget, I want to. Well, I'll let you get the site and tell them about it uh, instead of me doing it so oh sure um so yeah it's a it's a handy um sort of guide template to the major categories of food the major categories of wine and it's a sort of a reference for when you're looking for great pairings where you've got you know you know what you're having for dinner food wise but you're thinking what am i going to do with wine or conversely mostly the way i start i've got the wine now what am i going to eat 
And so um, <laughs> I uh, put together this guide for your listeners, and they can get it, uh, download it for free at nataliemcclain.com forward slash allaboutwine. So nataliemcclain.com forward slash allaboutwine. Simple as that, people. There you go. You get yourself a, your own personal guide for food and wine pairings. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you for offering that to the listeners, oh, too. It's, uh, my pleasure. I, I appreciate that. Uh, there's uh, We've had some uh, authors that have been on the show lately doing some simple books and stuff like that. And I like the simplicity of that stuff, too, because most people out there, as you've probably discovered, most people aren't as learned in the whole field of wine as uh, just a handful are. And mm-hmm. so the, the simplicity of information, I think, is a key and everyone I've talked to on the show has agreed that that is really the only approach. It is. And I think we're far less intimidated by food. Like you look at a, a roast chicken and you don't worry that it, you know, you haven't consulted that chicken's vintage chart. But we're <laughs> so uptight when it comes to wine, you know, because there's so many more choices and we can't try before you buy, uh, usually, at least not legally. So I think bringing in people through the world of food, it makes it so much more accessible. And that's why I really, really focus on food and wine pairing, like with this guide and with the online courses I teach. I just think it can connect with people so much more easily. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's a good, very good approach to it. You're absolutely right. Uh, speaking of online courses, you mm-hmm. do online courses. You, would you tell us about that? Sure. Um, so I come from a long line of English teachers, so teaching's in my blood, um, and I taught Highland dancing for years to little kids, and that's how I got through university, but um, teaching now online these wine and food pairing courses is just, I think I've arrived home in that, you know, I, I just love it, I love the connection, and I love what technology has been able to do for us uh, with reaching new people um, and, and bringing them together this way. And I think, you know, I mean, there's not been a lot of great things related to COVID, but one positive is that people have gotten over the mental block that, oh, you can't learn about, or you can't take a, a wine course online. What are you going to do, like text me the wine? But <laughs> you can. <laughs> you, yes, you can. You can. There's so yeah. many advantages to it. Like, you, you know, you can be in your pajamas, and you don't have to get a babysitter for the kids. You don't have to drive. You don't have to commit even to a certain day because a lot of the, uh, the classes can be recorded if you miss one. And and so I just I love that and and that you know in my class classes you know there'll be somebody from well, I have lots of people from uh, the U.S. and Canada mainly um, but you know there's someone from the Netherlands there's someone logging in or you know taking the class over breakfast in Sydney Australia and I just <laughs> love those those worldwide connections that we all sort of meet at this virtual kitchen table and and talk about wine. And it's uh, do you do uh, uh, pairings? Do you cook mm-hmm. while you're doing it and explain it to people, or uh, how does the, the class come together? What what is the basis of it? Sure. So the the course name, the main course, is called uh, the Wine Smart Course: A Full-Bodied Framework to Taste, Pair, and Buy Wine Like a Pro. 
and that's on my website at nataliemcclain.com. And so we sort of go from step to step. We want to first, you know, learn how to taste wine, but we really focus in on the pairing. So the people who take my course, um, they range from beginners to those actually who know a lot about wine, even those who've taken other professional courses because they really want to um, bone up on the, the food and wine pairing aspect, which doesn't often, it's not often a, a large part of some of the professional designations. They tend to focus on regions and uh, <laughs> geography and history, and we definitely touch on that, but our big focus is on the pairings, which I just think is so much more fun. So the course itself is a mix of um, live online tastings, but they're all recorded, so you can always watch them later. And then there's pre-recorded videos, there's workbooks and little quizzes, and but you really oh. can go, go at your own pace, and I give everyone lifetime access to the course. Oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah. And the uh, the cost of the course is? Well, during COVID, it's a uh, <laughs> discounted price. Now, listen, this, it's Canadian dollars, so that's a 30% off for you. Yeah, um, So normally it's five, $597, it's $397, so you've got to take another 30% off that in the United States. And my math is going to fail me now. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm a just, writer, not a mathematician. We won't even try. Yeah, we just 30% <laughs> off of that. that yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, that, that's that's a good price. Anyway, you you know, you, you say during COVID, has COVID changed your – well, obviously it has, but I mean – but has mm-hmm. it changed your approach to your writing because think, of COVID. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think what people, I'm trying to respond to what people um, want to learn now. And I think a lot of folks who have not been able to go out to restaurants or to travel to wine regions are looking to really um, elevate their wine and food experience at home. So a lot of what I'm writing about is you know, how to have like a little informal wine tasting, just maybe just you and your partner. So, you know, it's not fancy or, you know, pairing wine with comfort food or, you know, unusual pairings or, you know, even pairing wines with the, your latest Netflix uh, bin show. But it's a lot of home-based kind of what can you do at home with wine that would be fun and get you out of maybe a, a if you feel you're in a rut <laughs> wine-wise oh. or that sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of my focus lately. Yeah, I it's going to say COVID has changed well, the 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 tasting world and all that stuff has changed, but I think with the uh, virtual tastings, which I yes. love, it's just a wonderful approach to virtual tastings. I think people can still enjoy it just as much as as before. Mm-hmm. You're uh, I I have to come. The food, this is something, and my listeners know, I've mentioned food, how great wine can enhance food and how great food can enhance wine. And Mm. I I think it's always been a question in the back of people's minds. And and even mine, you know, there's times where I'm saying, well, what's going to go with this? And you start thinking of the possibilities. But a lot of times, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but a lot of times, what can go with it is limited to the individual's history of tasting the wines that they've tasted. 
And mm-hmm. if you open it up to, well, like your site there, you're saying, okay, try this and this with it. It could enhance that food even more so than what you might imagine. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's to be able to get other people's perspective. And again, even your perspective is limited to what you've experienced. Exactly. Like a good example for me was learning that, okay, if you've got a a steak and it's been nicely caramelized on the outside, why don't you try a buttery oak-aged Chardonnay? You would think Cabernet. Got to go to Cabernet. Um, But caramelization in the steak and the the oak aging in the Chardonnay just tasted divine together. It was like, wow. And they both had equal weight. It was full-bodied. The wine was full-bodied. So was the the steak, obviously. But, yeah, getting out of those uh, comfort zones and and just experimenting, that's the fun of it. Uh, Yeah, without question. That is – and I'm constantly telling people, you know, food and wine, those are the great things. Get yourself different pairings there and experiment with it different ones if nothing else you know try something yeah. new with it but that that's a great idea a good oaky chardonnay with a with a a nice caramelized sirloin or something that <laughs> <laughs> very good um yeah. so uh the uh again if y'all are interested in it uh we'll have natalie give it to you again i can just go to her website everything's on her website uh the uh, NatalieMcLean.com, uh, MacLean.com, not Mac. Mm-hmm. Mac. <laughs> All <laughs> right, now your books. You have two books out. Your first first book is uh, Red, White, and Drunk All Over. Okay, with subtitle: A Wine Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass. Okay, is this uh, from the beginning? This is what. A grape looks like on the grapevine to, ooh, you taste that aftertaste. Is that basically what this is? <laughs> sort of, <laughs> but more, um, that would be a metaphor for the life experience cause in, in the book because I took the uh, the day in the life approach. I don't know um, oh. who it is. Uh, George Plimpton, was it, who, who played football and wrote about it? It was yes. kind of the new school of journalism where you did the thing to have a better and deeper experience in order to write about it, not from the outside, but from the inside. And so that's what I did in Red, White, and Drunk All Over. So I actually helped or worked with the, at the Harvest. That was with Randall Graham in California, uh, crazy genius. And I worked as a sommelier. I worked in wine stores. So it was like each chapter was a different aspect of wine where I did the thing I wrote about. Oh, well, that sounds yeah. uh, uh, like a good approach. You said you worked as a sommelier. Do you have uh, your sommelier uh, certification? Yeah, I do. I, I took do a you? diploma program uh, here in Canada, but it was just for kicks at night. I, I wasn't even thinking, oh, I'll write about this. Um, I just uh, had a, it just drew me in, as you said, near the beginning of our conversation. Just once I glommed onto wine, it was like, I need to learn everything I yeah. can about this. And so I went through that. And 
Yeah, of course. But working as a sommelier is a quite a different thing. Like being out yeah. on the floor, and I, I chose to turn up the burner underneath my feet and work at a <laughs> uh, four diamond restaurant. And it was like, oh my gosh, I was just mostly trying to look like a shrub that no one would notice in the corner. But <laughs> it was where's the sommelier? Where's where is she? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so. The book, basically, what each chapter is is each aspect of it until. Yes, exactly. So we we start off with how is wine made, but instead of sort of uh, a dictionary definition, I go and help oh, and work the harvest with, uh, you know, Randall Graham, and I talk about you know what it's like, and but through those stories, you learn about wine. It's like when my mother used to put the peas in the mashed potatoes. I love those mm-hmm. mashed potatoes. And she'd sneak in the vegetables. So the learning is snuck in there um, through the storytelling. And you still come out the other end having learned, but uh, it was a tasty adventure along the yeah. way. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a fun book. Uh, and then you enjoyed writing that so much you wrote your second book, Unquenchable. Uh, it was a gypsy quest for the world's best bargain wines. Uh, this mm-hmm. I'm a wine cheapskate at heart. <laughs> yeah, really. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a completely different approach than the than the first one. This one is sounds anyway. What uh, was mm-hmm. this? Um, yeah, this one was um, travel based. So I would go to a different wine region where I thought there would be great wine values. So um, Argentina for Malbec and and Australia mm-hmm. for Shiraz, and it was still adventure based in that I did some sort of crazy things to bring out the learning and the stories about what is value and how do we get smarter about wine. So um, like in South Africa, I was diving with shark diving and doing all sorts of milking goats and all kinds of crazy things. But there was a purpose to it always. And you would come away with, you know, some more tips in terms of what am I looking for in the liquor store? You know, when I don't have a specific bottle recommendation, how can I be smarter about buying wine? Because ultimately that book is about finding wines that taste twice as expensive as they cost. Yeah. If you can find them, that's a great deal. And, and it is. you know, and that's, I think that's the search for everybody who's into wine is always looking for that that wine that you say, I only paid this much for this, but it tastes like it exactly. costs this it's it's like the hunt. It's like why those designer outlet stores are so popular. You know, yeah. it's just easy money, dumb money can buy Versace at full price. But if you can get that designer jacket at 10% of its original price, well, then you're a smart shopper. And I think there's that thrill of the hunt is there in wine. And one tip I'll just share with you, because I think a lot of people like this one in particular, is go south. So a lot of badge cachet regions in wine countries are north. So you think Bordeaux, Burgundy, expensive, go south to the Languedoc or Provence or even the Rhone Valley is going to be less expensive. Napa Valley, Sonoma, pricier than Paso Robles on average. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Tuscany, Piedmont. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tuscany, Piedmont, go south to Sicily or Puglia. You're going to get some great deals that way. So go and, and, and that's very true. I mean, it's just you think of the big names and all of them are north. And it doesn't mean that you can't find bargains. It's just a little bit harder to do it. And exactly. so you, 
you can find bargains immediately going south on there. Uh, your your book you started out with uh, domain. Uh, Romani Conti. Yeah, Roman, and I, I couldn't read this. I was leaning back and. I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. Uh, why, why start there? Was that the first stop in your uh, adventures, or is there a reason for starting on that? Yeah, um, that was part of um, the first book, and it was it was a terrific experience uh, because Burgundy often is the holy grail for Pinot Noir lovers. It's um, oh, you know yeah. the, it's. Yeah, the self-described, um, what do they call them, pathological optimists who make Pinot Noir. <laughs> it's right. just like they're crazy because it's so difficult. It's called the heartbreak grape, as you know. Mm-hmm. So, But I visited Aubert de Villain, who makes um, Domaine Romani Conti, which you know can go for hundreds of dollars or often thousands of dollars per bottle, uh, like especially if you're trying to chase down something at auction. And I, I wanted to start with the benchmark and, and find out what is – the gold standard when it comes to this coveted wine. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience going around with him. Um, it was in the winter and, uh, you know, he's doing cane pruning um, to get ready for spring. But he was just so open and generous with his time. He doesn't have a tasting room that's open to the public. Um, so, you know, I, I really felt honored and we went down to his library uh, cellar and he made me um, turn around and he pulled out a bottle and then he made me guess the vintage. It was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> leave me here with a corkscrew. Don't quit me like this. <laughs> but it, it was extraordinary. And, uh, you know, when people say, wow, how did you get in to see Aubert de Vlaine and these other people? And, and I always say, you know what? It's not me. It's who I bring with me. And, and those are the readers. It's who I represent. Who are the, the listeners on the podcast or the readers of the book or the visitors to the website? That's the real power. The who's who are the people who are coming with me virtually. Mm-hmm. Which answers a good question on there. How do you get all these different people to interview and all that? And, you know, I, you know, it's, hmm, I'm, I'm sorry. My mind was going out thinking of, you know, going how we get guests and stuff like that. And it's usually not a problem finding guests. You know, you say, you know, I do this, I do that. Would you like to be on the show? And like we said at the beginning, people in the wine industry love to talk about wine. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and own. often, yeah, if, if someone has a new book to promote, they're usually quite keen. Um, yes. And that's a great time to interview them because the book is still fresh in their mind and they have some great stories to tell. So I'm usually monitoring who's got a new book out, uh, you know, just published a book. Those, that's mm. a great source for getting guests. In fact, we had a guest on, uh, oh, what was it, about a month ago now, who – his book was being released that week, and he was ah. a on the program. That was, That's in perfect. fact, it surprised us. We didn't know it was being released just within the you know the next few days. And he mentioned it during the show that it was coming out in a, in a few days. Uh, Michael Brown and Pinot Rocks. Is, oh yeah, Pinot Noir. Yeah. yeah, he made he makes Pinot Noir, right? He's a uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. He. Uh, his his book Pinot Rocks was just coming out 
a huh. few days few days after we interviewed, which was really cool because he said that it was on audiobooks and William Shatner actually read his book. That is amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm such so a William too. Shatner fan. Yeah. Oh. It's just like, and, oh my gosh, William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. I think William Shatner had this sort of brown bag wine tasting thing on YouTube or somewhere where he would oh, really? surprise people and get them to taste wine. So he's a wine guy. Yeah, oh, I was I watching that. that somewhere. It's a while back, but uh, I just thought, oh my gosh, there's Captain Kirk. Yeah, really. <laughs> he's into yeah. wine. Perfect. <laughs> I never, I never knew that. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, manager. Um, oh, geez, I go to blank now. Uh, oh, he's out in California now for the Angels. Uh, oh, I could kick myself. I just, I, I can't remember his name. But he was really into wine a lot, and I contacted mm-hmm. the Rays office and all that, and you know, told him. You know, when, uh, no, he wouldn't be interested. And I got so mad at him. I yelled at him. I said, how do you know he's not going to be interested? He's into wine. <laughs> you know, right. You know, but uh, they never That's connected crazy. me with him. That just irritated me so much that they don't give him a chance. You know, I just, you oh, know. I get it. Yeah. Well, you know, here's yeah. um, a, a guest that I'm going to have in a couple of weeks' time. It, he's the publisher of the Washington Post. And oh, why wow. the heck would he want to even talk to me? Because he just came out with a book called Wine in the White House. So we're going to talk about the intersection ah. of politics and wine. Oh, right? well, that's so interesting. When someone well, has yeah. a book to promote, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, wine, wine, the politics of wine, I mean, with the uh, uh, all sorts of taxes and levies and fees and all that that's being kicked around and everything now, that should be a very timely interview there. You know, so. Yeah, and he's got all kinds of stories about past presidents and the things they did um, you know, in serving wine at diplomatic dinners. So, again, I'm just looking for those stories that are colorful. Oh, yeah, that, that should, be, <laughs> should be very interesting. Give that people something else to tune into and listen to. Uh, <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> you met, you mentioned something about the cost of of wine, like the well, the main Ramon Conte. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Do you really candidly think that the price of some of these wines that are in the thousands of dollars worth it? Hmm. Yes and no. <laughs> That's in always that, my answer too. Yeah, I exactly. know. Exactly. It depends. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as you know, Ron, like the price of wine is related to cost of making it only up to a certain point, you know, was the vineyard land expensive because it has a southeast exposure, you know, did the winemaker cut back the grapes during, throughout the growing season, so therefore the remaining grapes are fewer, more expensive, but tastier, make better wine, and all of those host of decisions uh, can contribute to cost, but after a certain point, I don't know what the cutoff is, but call it even $50 and way up to the thousands, then you're into the intangibles like scarcity, rarity, the winemaker's ego, um, you know, did it go for thousands of dollars at auction? Is it one of the few bottles left of that vintage? And, you know, so are they worth it? You know, bottles that are thousands of dollars, it's how you define value for yourself personally. Of course, you have to have the budget, but, you know, is the price worth it to you? You know, some people will pay for designer haute couture clothing because they want that fine Paris stitching, and others don't care if it's a knockoff, you know, made in a you know t-shirt 
place or whatever. They just, it's of no value. So, you know, it's, it's what is that wine worth to you and do you find it of value? So that's the yes and no answer. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and, uh, along the same line, I've, people have asked me that question, and I always get the same answer, yes and no. Uh, one thing I think you have to consider in there, too, is that most people, and I, and I say most people, is that 90% of the people out there that are not uh, that are not super learned in wine, and there's, there's not a slap there, so please, no one take it as it, but the people who aren't – super learned is the ones that are listening to this program, listening to your programs, your podcast on it to try to educate themselves. These are the, these are the majority of people out there. These people would probably not appreciate the $3,000 bottle of wine Mm -hmm. because of these subtle little differences that that has that they haven't really experienced and they don't know what to look for. I agree. I agree, Ron. And it's it's no it's not a snobby statement at all. You know, I studied dance for 20 years. I trained as a dancer, as I mentioned. So when I watch like a ballet performance, I enjoy it visually like everyone else. But I have a muscular response when you know when she does a jeté or a whatever entrechet because I've had that training. So it hits me on multiple levels, multiple sensory levels because because of my background or education or training. And I think that's there when it comes to wine. You definitely can enjoy it on a surface level and all the power to you. But there's also a deeper la- layer of enjoyment if you want it. And it does take work and you know paying attention to what you're drinking and learning about it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you I'm glad to hear you agree with me on that. I've always, I've Absolutely. always, uh, I always thought that you know, it's just I, I tell people that the difference between a a hundred dollar bottle of wine and a five hundred dollar bottle of wine is is there. You can definitely tell the difference if you know what mm-hmm. you're looking for. But right. if you don't, then get that. $30 bottle of wine and you'll enjoy that just as much as the 500 mm-hmm. and uh, you know so it's uh, but you know the more you get educated the more you start reading stuff the more you start listening to stuff and more you start looking for different things then that helps you understand what you're looking for and, and uh, you know makes the wine in, in the long run it's going to give you a better understanding of the wine and Make that exactly, $500 bottle exactly. yeah. And with so. my uh, partner, Miles, like <laughs> we've been together for eight years now. When I met him, he was drinking very straightforward, shall we say, Australian Shiraz, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Until, you know, one night he noticed I was drinking something else, and he goes, what's that? <laughs> I said, oh, it's, <laughs> a, it's a Shiraz, but from the Rhone Valley. Well, I want to try it. And so he he quickly abandoned his... Uh, wine, and he's been um, more learned and more expensive ever since. <laughs> but you know, it's it's been a journey. Well, I used to put out decoy wines. Talk about snobby. It's like if if you don't know what you're drinking, then drink this. <laughs> but gradually, he caught on that there was something different in my glass, and so now he's a very expensive date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I have to say, my wife is the same way. She was into lighter whites. And stuff like that and when I started to 
drink more and more reds and all that. When we opened up the winery and the reds we were getting in there, and we brought up some wines from Chile, and particularly a Carmenere. And mm-hmm. she just fell in love with that Carmenere. And now mm-hmm. she's became a advocate of red wines and the uh, the Carmenere's and the, she's looking for it and she goes, are you tasting the pepperiness in this? Are you doing you know, <laughs> going, oh, oh my God. Yeah, those it. days it's are fantastic. gone where you can just, here, have this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. we can always reminisce. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. But it's, it's great. And that's, you know, that's really what we're trying to get people out there to do. I mean, it, and the food and wine pairings uh, is trying to get them to try something else besides the uh just the ones that they they pick up on the bottom shelf or next to the bottom shelf, you know, reach on up to the top two tiers and grab one of those. Exactly. One of my uh, tips when it comes to food and wine pairing that I meant to mention earlier, but you've brought it up again, is would you normally put butter on your food or squeeze of lemon? So if you (laughs) normally slather butter on, it's probably a richer dish. So look for a richer wine, whether it's that full-bodied Chardonnay or maybe a Cabernet, like you know, if you're slathering butter on your steak, or if you're going to put a squeeze of lemon on that fish dish, then you're probably looking for something lighter, like a, a Riesling or a Sauvignon Blanc, something that has that sort of acidity that you would find in that squeeze of lemon. So sort of, I call it the butter or lemon test. That's a good point. Very good point. Because, yeah. you know, if you think, am I going to put butter on this? No. Well, then no. you don't pair it with something don't drink something that's buttery. So, yeah, that's that's an excellent, exactly. uh, an excellent way to approach it. Uh, I had something else here. You know, this happens all the time. We start talking about something, and I lose. Uh, <laughs> oh, here it is. I you you mentioned something. Tell us about Merry Widows of Mouse, or is it Moose? <laughs> Moose, yes. The Merry Widows of Moose, they're in uh, Red, White, and Drunk all over. So that's Champagne. So as you probably know, Ron, Veuve, Veuve Clicquot, Veuve means widow. Right. And it's, you know, so it was the widow Clicquot, but there were a, a number of widows who built the famous champagne houses, which were at their time France's top luxury brands. And all of them had these compelling stories at the turn of the century. They had lost their husbands to illness or war, and they stepped up to run these large businesses, or actually they built them into large businesses at a time when women weren't running companies. Um, And I just find, like, Viv Clicquot was 28 years old when she lost her husband to the Spanish flu. She had an eight-year-old, Clementine, and she did amazing things when... um, the her domain was invaded and as the troops were sort of leaving the domain they were taking some bottles with them and and they were saying madame get the wine back like and she said no 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 they'll be back they'll have a taste and they'll be back <laughs> it was the first <laughs> sampling program <laughs> but she was amazing cuz during the napoleonic blockades um no ships were getting through, but she managed to get one ship through with all of her sparkling wine into the court of Russia to celebrate the birth of the new czar. And that's how fashions were set back in that day. If you, they were drinking it in the court, then everybody wanted to drink it. And so she, her wines became a hit in Russia, and, and she just had all of these innovations. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, I was she's aware. Also, yeah. 
Yeah, I wasn't aware of that story on there. Huh, interesting. Yeah, the um, and she's also the one who invented riddling. So that process of turning bottles, the right. champagne bottles, to get the sludge down into the, the neck of them, it's mechanized these days. But back then, she realized if she could clarify the wine from all the particulate, she would have better sales. And so she took her kitchen table, turned it upside down, and drilled holes into it and put the bottles in their necks because she knew that it would sort of all float down to the neck and she could get it out that way. And, uh, yeah, she invented riddling and clarifying the wine. Oh, I never knew that. Giving up the kitchen table. Yeah, Yeah. I I, I knew about riddling. In fact, I've shared it before. I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, Do they, and I don't know for sure, but is there any champagne house that still does riddling? They, some of them do, perhaps for their very, very top tier bottles, like Cristal at Louis Roederer. Um, but and, and usually if you go to the champagne houses, they'll have a few little sample riddling racks there, just oh, yeah. sort of demonstration riddling. But a, a lot of it is mechanized because it's, you know, an eighth of a turn of a bottle every, I don't know what it is, three days or something. It's a very, yeah. very gradual process and very time consuming. And I'm sure... They would it's have all got carpal job. tunnel syndrome. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full-time like job. A lot of work Turning that bottle. Yeah. 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 So, it's it's yeah. interesting, though. It's an interesting aspect of champagne and the riddling and all it that. Is. It's something that I've shared with people. And, and you know, they don't don't understand about the, the sediment. And they still, like you say, it's mechanized now and it's still being used. But it's... It's something that needs to be done, and it makes a difference. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. Uh, uh, I, I knew I, I keep seeing stuff here while we talk, and then I go somewhere else. I forget. Uh, I, I don't think it's on here. Have you ever – well, yeah, you did – you mentioned this here. Which, have you ever had a guest that you just, like, had uh, information out of them? I mean, it was <laughs> – <laughs> like pulling teeth or something, or just yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was difficult. You mean to interview them, and they wouldn't, <laughs> they weren't forthcoming, I, shall we say? Yeah, one of the I had an interview, and the young man was was a nice young man. I talked to him before the show, and uh, he was going to be on the show with me and all that from a winery. Uh, oh. I trying to think the winery was in. Kentucky or something. I can't remember exactly where. It wasn't California. It was Kentucky. And I I, uh, I say, do you uh, have your own vineyard? Yes. <laughs> what, do you have, what do you have planted in your vineyard? Uh, Cabernet, Chardonnay, and Riesling. How right. many acres? I mean, it just—it was the interview went this way. He answered the questions and he didn't hesitate, but that's all he did. And usually, when you ask yeah. somebody a question, they elaborate. They start telling you, you know, sure. do you have a vineyard? Yeah, we have twenty acres of this, and we do this, and you know, and they go on and and, and boy, this this young man was. And normally, in, in an interview that lasts an hour, I think I went through the whole winery and all the questions I usually ask and everything in 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I'm just going, well, do you have anything else? He says, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Bye. And, and bye. Yeah. That was it. Well, thank you for being But I was just wondering, have you ran across interviews like that? Well, sure. When I was starting out, um, 
definitely. I mean, I also host uh, Facebook Live interviews. So I, I, I've done about 80 of those shows on Facebook Live for the last three, four years before starting the podcast. And over time, I started studying in, in people who are great at interviewing, not necessarily wine, like um, the late, great Larry King. And I mean, there's others like Tim Ferriss is in the business world. And I, I listen to them for their techniques. Like, how do they get to the question after the question? Like, somebody will say something. How do they probe further? You know, how, how are they getting these great stories out of people? And I started form, formulating some of my own sort of uh, go-to questions. Like, you know, take me to the worst moment of your career. Tell me exactly where you were. How did you feel? I mean, it's not a gotcha interview by any source because uh, we go to the best moment after that. And, um, you know, and I'll even tell them, do some thinking on this. Like, I'll let them know I'm going to ask. But don't script it. Like, let's just make this a conversation. But that's what people want are the stories. So um, trying to get away from the yes, no, which is not always easy. But I'm often asking them to paint me a picture and tell me how you were feeling because that's what we can relate to. What was it like, you know, flying that plane over your vineyards? Uh, you know, that sort of thing. That That's where people connect with how did it feel? And, and tell me what was going on. What did you see? What were you smelling? What were you hearing? And and then we get a little bit more nuance and out of the, the yes, no, or Cabernet, Chardonnay. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. but it's tough. It's tough because not everybody can even get to those stories. Like, but you know, I yeah. try to push. Yeah, and that's you know, uh, this young man. No matter what I did, it was it was one or two word answers, and that was it. Yeah. It's just, and I think yeah. I talked to him earlier in the day, you know, and, and well, it was a couple of days before then when I talked to him. Then uh, always before I when I was talking to wineries a lot, I'd always talk to the people and call them and say, okay, who's going to be on? And I say, I'm not going to give you any surprise questions or gotcha questions. No, we're just going to talk. And he says, okay. And he was very forthright with me and, and very easy conversationalist and all that. And I think maybe knowing that he was on the air and mm, it's just like right. radio fright or something. And yeah, he, just, he went into presenter mode as a, as opposed to still being conversational. A lot of people yeah. do that, like they'll they'll get stage fright, you know, radio fright or whatever. And, yeah, and it's it's you know, uh, I can understand. You know, I was I've been on radio programs before, and you, you sit there and you think you, you don't think that well, X number of people is going to be listening to this. All you think is, well, I'm just talking to this person right next to me, and that's exactly that's, how you that's a that. good thing. And, and you do this so naturally, Ron, but I think people will open up if you share something about yourself first because people listen to your show, Ron, and, and they listen to Unreserved Wine Talk for me, not just for the guests, but to listen to us. And, and that's not meant in the big ego sense, but you're the continuity factor for your show. And they want to learn more about you as much as they want to learn about the guests. So I find sometimes if I tell my own story or some, it doesn't have to be something long, but that guests will will resonate with that and it becomes more of a conversation and they open up. Um, But that's been hard for me because I like to hide behind the questions. I'm an introvert at heart and it's just, I'd rather just go down my list of questions. But Oh, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you haven't you haven't presented yourself here now. You 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 opened up quite well. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> you have. I mean, you you you've uh, you you've been a very enjoyable guest tonight because oh, you, you have opened up and you've told us things about yourself and and different stuff that is enjoyable and that's really uh, I think is what you're looking for in a guest, someone who knows what they're talking about and shares it but doesn't dominate and I think that can be off putting. Um, yeah, exactly. I, it has to be a give and take, back and forth. Yeah. And one thing that I used to be afraid of when I started interviewing folks on Facebook and on the podcast was, you know, ours is a very it can be a very technical field and there's so many things you can get wrong. <laughs> and I used to be afraid of, of looking stupid and thinking people are going to think, well, what does she know? She's been, even after writing about wine for 20 years, she's still getting that appellation wrong. But you have to just forget that and move on. And because I try to maintain the mindset, I'll always be an enthusiastic amateur. I'm always learning <laughs> and cor- correct me, really, if I'm wrong. Like, but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna veer away from a question because I'm afraid that you know I'm going to mispronounce something or I'm gonna get the year wrong or something. I'll just say, hey, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it was, you know, 1953, whatever, and go for it. Uh, I, but you have to get past your own ego. <laughs> I, I don't worry. I, I mispronounce regions and names and wrong I mm-hmm. I don't know any other language except English and when you put some of these French places in front of me or even Spanish or Italian I pronounce them wrong and I know I do yeah. and yeah. I, yeah, well, I so don't many different languages yeah coming yeah, into one so of course I don't worry about it I just say I'm going to destroy this name and then I pronounce it the way I'm supposed to and every once in a while, I say it right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And I think because of that, you, you make yourself more identifiable. We don't identify with cold, hard perfection. We identify with flaws. That's what we yeah. see in other people, you know? Well, that's in our I'm health. good at that on names. <laughs> <Dang it. laughs> there you go. You're keeping it real, Ron. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Mike, do you have any questions yeah. for Natalie here? Uh, hold on a second. I just. I know Mike's there. See, Mike is always texting and he's always uh, sending out ah. uh, all yeah. sorts of stuff and he's making hey, notes and doing all sorts of stuff all the time. And so when I You're ask him, I always catch him off guard and he's going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you, uh, I just, sorry, I just got off of Amazon. Uh, oh, did and you? <laughs> Somewhere between March 4th and March 11th, I'll be picking, uh, I'll be receiving red, white, and drunk all over. <laughs> so, oh, right. That's great. I read, oh, the, thank you. I read the reviews. Uh, I read the reviews on Amazon, and they're, they're fantastic. 320 okay. pages. Um, and, um, yeah, I can't wait to get it. I mean, uh, just just uh, looking at uh, some of the reviews, it's like, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be great. So uh, I can't wait for that. And maybe I'll, uh, I'll get on here uh after it, it arrives and read and I can read it and uh, do a little, you know, this is what, uh, you know, what I read and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was great. Yeah. And I got your, uh, yeah. the guide that you mentioned earlier, uh, picked that up and I uh, was looking at that. Very nice. Thank you very much. Oh, and good. Uh, well, thank you. No, just enjoy. Oh, uh, $397 in Canadian is uh, $314 in U.S. Wow, so that's minus thirty percent, eh? Yeah, what a deal, huh? Another, another <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, fantastic. So uh, yeah, just yeah. enjoying it and uh, 
um, yeah, it's been great. So I can't wait for the book oh, for sure. Thanks, Thank Mike. you. That's very kind yeah. of you. Um, yeah, Mike's Mike is my my engineer. He's a co-host and engineer. He uh, we say something like, "I wonder how much that exchange is," and Mike will say, "It's three hundred fourteen dollars." He just you know he's, he's he does mental math. Yeah. Yes, he does. He, he's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, that's great. <laughs> oh. Uh, Google, yeah. <laughs> His mental mental Google map. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there you go. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we all do. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Thank goodness for the the computers. So. Oh, um, I know. So, uh, well, while we're on the show, when do you would you like me as a guest? Oh, whenever you have availability. I'm. Um, I space out my guests just so I can uh, research them thoroughly, Ron. Um, oh, you don't need to research and, me. You, you found everything. <laughs> I've been listening um, to your show, though. Awesome. This is me. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'll send you a calendar invite because um, okay. right now I'm looking kind of at the end of March, early April. But we can pick Sounds a day good. that works for both of us. Yeah, we're on okay. the same time zone, so that's cool. Yeah, really. Although you're a million miles north in tundra weather, and <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, here in the snowy north, the great white north, the great white north. Yeah, yeah. We, we are blessed down here in Florida. This is uh, nice weather for us right now. This this is the time of year when visitors from your area come down here mm, and they go oh my gosh this is so beautiful i love florida yeah. and then they go home sell their house and move down here and then yeah. summer comes and they go oh my gosh i hate florida and you know and so, yeah. <laughs> we go to florida we have gone to florida every year we haven't gone this year sadly really yet. Huh? Um, wow. but we go to naples we love naples oh yeah That's down the oh, coast yeah, yeah. Naples, yeah, beautiful yeah, town. the beach yeah, yeah. It's, it's the restaurants, time. everything is so nice. Yeah, Naples is great for restaurants. Yeah, it's a really yeah. a nice area. Uh, St. Pete Beach was just named by TripAdvisor the number one beach in America. Really? So that, yeah, wow. that was quite a quite a coup for St. Pete Beach. They they were number two last year, and they were named number one by TripAdvisor this year. So. Wow, did they add more sand? How did they climb up there in the rankings? I think what they did was uh, there was more – they take into account traffic and all that stuff, and considering that this last year there was no traffic, it huh. helped boost them up that little extra couple of points they needed to move to number one. So, Well, but, congrats, St. Pete. Yeah, really. They, we'll uh, raise a glass. That's <laughs> right. Them. We will raise a glass for everything. Uh, yeah, it's yes. – uh, uh, a uh, a good uh, good thing for St. Pete Beach, yeah. That's but we have a lot of nice beaches here, though. So that's just one of many in the area. Like Naples is another. So, yeah. uh, Natalie, anything else you'd like to uh, talk about or bring up or tell us again your website and all the good stuff that everyone can find on that website and. Also, tell us again about the free guide uh, that you're offering okay. for all the All About Wine listeners and all that good stuff, if you will. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. That's very kind. So I hope everyone will listen to Unreserved Wine Talk podcast because obviously you're already an audio listener, so um, I would welcome yeah. more ears. Uh, as you mentioned, my website is kind of the hub where you'll find everything, nataliemcclain.com. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-E. 
M-A-C-L-E-A-N. And you can get the free guide at nataliemcclain.com forward slash all about wine. See, you get a prize for listening to All About Wine this week. So there you go. That's that's yeah. cool. That's cool. So thank you, Natalie. It was well, thank you, very Ron. enjoyable. It, uh, you know, great conversationalist, and I'm looking forward to being on your show, so we can that's continue amazing. to talk. You know, I mean, that's yes, about exactly. You know, that's what, what wine does, doesn't it? It brings us together. And this makes us talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And we go down little rabbit holes, and then we come back up, and and we go down another one. But uh, no, this that's has right. been such a pleasure, Ron. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And and Mike, nice to meet you. And thank, thank you for nice getting the book. Yeah, very enjoyable. Oh yeah, can't wait for you. Terrific. Thank you. Cool. And uh, I will be emailing you, and we'll get something set up for around the first of April. And sure, that'd I'll be great. Look look forward to being a guest on your program. All right, Ron. That would be awesome. Look forward to it. Great. Have a good night. Thank, Thank you again. All right. Okay, Thanks. cool. Good, good night, night for now, and uh, I hope something great is in your glass tonight or this week. Yeah. Thank you. You also. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Cheers. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, perfect. What is good. this caller Mike has dropped? Did you leave me for a while? I sure did. Um, I was reading her uh, the um, PDF file uh, at, from her website. Um, I still have it open, actually. The uh, wine and food uh, pairing um, mm-hmm. that you get uh, template. And uh, I was going through that, and all of a sudden, boop, and I go, oh, don't tell me. I thought you disconnected because I didn't hear anything. And I thought, oh, that, that's a Ron thing. And um, <laughs> no, I looked up, and I... I read the little bar at the top of the studio thing that says Mike yeah. has dropped. No. Oh, see, I so, wasn't even on the studio. <laughs> I was on uh, the emails that she sent us because that's where all the information is and everything. Yep. So I was on <laughs> that, and I never saw this. And I come back here to the studio, and I'm going, you left me. You know? <laughs> uh, no. So, um, But we stayed connected to uh, Facebook and um I think, and blog and radio obviously didn't cut out, but uh, so we missed, uh, you know, maybe 10, 20 seconds on Facebook and then went, but it kept streaming. So they heard the, you know, the drop connect tone that I I heard on my end. And then they heard blog talk radio, you know, um, I code on it, but she said something else. And then, uh, and then I was back on live, you know, on, on the call, but uh, Facebook did not drop out. Yeah. I was like, man, are you kidding me? Well, um, you know, we don't know why or anything. You just left us, huh? No. Yeah. Huh. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm not doing too much. I was, I mean, I have a couple of, you know, the website. I was looking up uh, Unreserved Wine Talk. Uh, that, uh, her her uh, podcast, Unreserved Wine Talk, folks, check it out. It's, it's pretty much everywhere. Uh, it's on Apple. It's on uh, uh, radio.com. Uh, there's mention of it on podnews.net, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, uh, which is a great app. I listen to a lot of stations on TuneIn, uh, Spotify, um, Google. Uh, I think Google Play has uh, something on there as well. Player.fm, audible.com. There's, there's, uh, she, uh, she's out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so check it is. out. She's and, uh, a, lot, a lot of formats. And, and then mm-hmm. – if you can't find them in any of those other formats too, just go to nataliemcclain.com and 
yeah. uh, it, it will connect you to just about everything that she's doing too. Yeah. So yeah, you can. You can, there's all, all kinds of good information on her website for sure, and uh, also uh, search for her on uh, on Amazon. I'm sure she's elsewhere, yeah. uh, book wise, but uh, search for her on Amazon, and uh, you'll find her her book. She has another one on there, and I was looking into that as well. But I'll, I'm going to try this one, and uh, 320 pages. I'm a slow reader, so by 14 July, August, by yeah. 20. Oh no. I'm a real oh, slow reader. Years or not months? But, years. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And the photos yeah. will keep me going for a long time. If there's any photos or something, I hope not. But you know, if there is, it's okay. But that'll keep me. Uh, that'll that'll extend it more. So I'm like, ooh, pictures. Okay. <laughs> ooh, a picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How much was text, it? You know, uh, it? It was cheap for the paper book. Uh, for the paperback. Um, yeah. I mean, like five bucks or something. Wow! Not bad at three hundred and twenty wow. pages, and the and the reviews were fantastic. So I was like, yeah, why not? You know, sure, um, like, yeah, I'll do that. It's in paperback and already. Yeah. Another, and uh, she's a uh, she's got another one on there, and uh, unquenchable. Back. Uh, I think so. Un- yeah, Is unquenchable. That, that one, I don't know. Okay. That's a that's a tipsy quest for the world's best. Bargain wines, Bargain. from what she says, yeah. Yeah. she goes into regions and tells you, you know, uh, buys from regions, which should be good. I mean, you know, people mm-hmm. out there want to find out, you know, uh, want to try some Italian wines and find out what the prices are. This would be a good way to approach it here. So, yeah, that uh, yeah. would be Check good for that. Uh, a lot of good, uh, some really good reading out there. So, um, yeah, do uh, go to Amazon. Go to Amazon and search for her name, Natalie McLean, um, and uh, or like Ron said, go go to her website. And uh, but uh, check the books out; they're they're you know yeah very affordable and uh, kind of like a really good read. So check them yeah, out. Yeah, it does. I'm gonna have to have to visit and grab myself one copy of it too. So yeah, no, very good. good. Um, um, she's also you know her uh, her. Uh, uh, gift to all about wine readers mm-hmm. too uh y'all can yeah. download that that uh is yeah, uh, that's yeah. a nice nice little thing uh, uh, wine and food parents yep. i'm always talking about wine and food parents in fact uh, uh jim laughlin and his books are his online books talk a little bit about wine and food pairings so uh yeah. these are, are are good companion things i mean you know you don't have to be exclusive to one author or something like this. You know, right. if you put all these together, you can have your make up yourself a, a quite comprehensive overview of what you're trying to pair up and all that. And mm-hmm. then I was really impressed, I think, more than anything about her her site. Let me find it here again. Uh, oh, the mobile app. That's something else. If y'all are out shopping for wines and stuff like this, this is a barcode reader. It's an optical front label scanner. It has notes as a place. You can take notes as a place that you can make a note that, oh, I really love this wine. Look for this again and pull it up and put it in. I mean, it's just a very comprehensive mobile app for you there. So <laughs> use Jim McLaughlin's sites and then uh, uh, put it with this and you're set. You're set for just about anything you want to eat or drink. Yeah. 
Nat Porras? No, it's just, she never said that. It's just Natalie McLean. My engineer is asking yeah. me here. No, I guess it just she, to it. A Nat Porras? Oh, I don't know. Uh, engineer here just says she's belonged to a site that been a while, but a site called Nat. Po I wish she'd asked me that while she was on. I'll ask her. Yeah. Uh, she said she used to belong to a site that was Nat Pours uh, about wine. She says it's been a while now since she's had it, but wonder if that was if that's Natalie's site. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask her. But, well, maybe uh, when you're on her show, you can uh, yeah. ask her, make a note of that, and yeah. bring it up for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Or but this uh, this mobile app, this is a, this is another. Like I said, you know, compare uh, or pair this with the you know, Jim Laughlin's uh, uh, books, and you've got yourself just about everything you need there for uh, uh, wine and food pairings. You know. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. again, thanks for uh, for being on the show today. We really appreciate yeah, this evening. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Natalie. That was that was fun. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And we have you know, no guest uh, no guest next week, but we will be back live. So uh, be sure to join us at seven p.m. Eastern uh, time in the U.S. We're not changing clocks yet. I don't think are we? Not until. The seventeenth, I think, is when we changed. Okay. Uh, no, the twenty-first. Yeah. Let me see. No, fourteenth. I was wrong on all those. The fourteenth. Yeah. So it's uh, two weeks from from this coming Sunday. Either we way, it's still seven p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either way, it's going to screw everybody up for six months. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. And okay, so for the next two weeks, we're on at seven p.m until the time changes, and then we're on at 7 p.m. after that. That's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. We're on at 7 p.m. EDT, yep. and then we're on 7 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. And then after the 14th, we'll be on at 7 p.m. E Eastern Daylight Time, EDT. So now it's EST, and then it becomes EDT. Right. And all the people who were not confused are now. <laughs> right. Which, which is the intent. Um, you know, we like to confuse everyone. Not, not, not about wine, but no, everything else. It's we'll about the about. time. You know, that's, um, that's one of the easy things to do. So, yeah. Um, but that's, well, that's, thank you all for tuning in. I don't know if we can we'll go ahead and close it out. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back. Uh, Ron will be back next week with uh, and myself with some uh, updates, news, and uh, uh, general wine conversation and uh, thank you for joining us have a great week and um a drink wine and drink wine check out our thanks for listening yes yeah. yeah thank you we thank natalie again and mm -hmm. thank for listening drink and be safe all right exactly <laughs> there we go this concludes tonight's broadcast of all about wine with your host ron for show information Links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook. Or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. 
Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Thank <laughs> you.